With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everyone. Uh, It's my pleasure to welcome you back to Garden State of Hockey, And if you're anywhere near this podcast, if you're listening for any reason, then you have just witnessed what is perhaps one of the worst run weeks in Devils team history, hearkening back to the early days when they first moved to New Jersey in the 80s. They managed to set a bunch of new fun records for futility. They lost games they shouldn't have lost to teams they shouldn't have lost to in manners in which they shouldn't have lost. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined by John Fisher. And, John, I just have to say, right off the bat, we decided to postpone this recording session until after their contest against Buffalo, which means that tomorrow's game against Vegas, which should be incredibly ugly, will not be included in today's podcast. Now, for the first time in my life, the Devils gave up five goals in the first period today, but let's get to that when we get to it. So... I want to hear, uh, first of all, on a scale of one to the distance from Earth to the sun, how far should this team be fired? Dan, this team should be fired off a meteor into the deep unknown. <laughs> there is no distance that this team should not be fired. I wasn't half, I was only half kidding when I suggested during the Buffalo game that, hey, there's a lot of AHL teams in upstate New York. Just leave Hines and his staff hanging out in Buffalo right about 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'm sure they can find some work for themselves. They seem like bright enough individuals to go to Indeed and Monster.com and uh, WeWork or Glassdoor or any of these other job-finding sites and find themselves some new employment because they sure as hell should not be a member, be members of this organization for very, very long. In fact, if it were up to me, they'd be fired literally right now. Or like, weeks that would be ago. the discussion. Well, actually, yeah, you're right. If I was in charge, this would have happened after the Tampa Bay game. Right. That being said, it is what it is. But the conversation would be very straightforward. It would be, hey, Josh, hey, David, can I get, can, can we, can we, is it okay if we pay Hines for next year to not ruin this team? Cool. Okay. Hey, Mr. Hines, you're done. Get out of my face. Fitzy, you're the interim. Don't, don't be as bad as you were. Uh, against Buffalo. <laughs> See, um, I could I could do this GM thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, no, I can't do this GM thing. That would be a terrible idea. But but it's seeming like a lot of people are losing faith that Ray Shiro can do this GM thing exactly. because the big issue is that these coaches are still around. That even if you don't think the coaching is to blame here, there is so much 
visible about this team and just the kinds of efforts they give that I don't even know if they want to be playing for this staff anymore. And there was no better example of it than uh, tonight against the Sabres. But let's backtrack a little bit because last week we looked ahead at this schedule and we said, okay, it's Minnesota, it's Montreal, it's the Rangers. Hated rivals. And it's Buffalo and then Vegas. So we're looking at this week saying, okay, this is going to be pretty tough to accumulate the majority of points but this is unlike anything i expected results wise where their one win out of all of these was against montreal in montreal bizarre but yes well it's i guess it's not as bizarre when you consider that montreal themselves is mired in their own eight game losing streak at the time of recording so you know when futility meets futility sometimes the worst team will end up on top but i'm pretty comfortable at this point saying that the devils are the worst team in the nhl and pretty much every single statistic you look at has them either completely at the bottom or at least in the bottom three absolutely and the only thing that they're really any decent at is defending high danger chances, which doesn't really matter because, A, being one of the best still means you're giving about 8 or 9 per 60 minutes. So you're still giving them up. And, B, they're going in the back of the net. So it's still costing you. I mean, even it, the low it, danger chances go into the back of the net. The exactly. goalie sometimes swats the puck over himself into the back of the net. I feel like I feel like we need to take a step back, Dan. <laughs> Let's start with the least painful loss, which is technically the beginning of the week that we we just discussed, the Minnesota game. And given the situation going into it, Minnesota was not exactly a powerhouse of the Western Conference. They've had a pretty nice run uh, leading into that game, and since that game, they've actually looked not terrible. But that was a game that you look at that, it's a home game against an opponent that's not really considered that strong. And not only that, Minnesota has been almost as bad as New Jersey in third periods. And yet, and yet, Dan, the Devils went into that period in a tied score situation, put up a pretty lame performance, lost lost Ryan Sutter off a faceoff. He sniped one past Louis Domingue. And they lose 3-2. In fact, it should have been 3-1 technically because Jesper Boakvist, his first NHL career goal, Technically, should not have counted. The NHL actually admitted during and after the game, of course, that uh, because Wayne Simmons played the puck with a high stick in the neutral zone, the play should have been called dead there, but it said it continued and it led to Bokvist uh, tipping in a shot. Mm-hmm. So it's it, 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 <laughs> the Devils got the benefit, the benefit of a goal they should not have had and still found a way to lose that game. So, so call that loss like karmic punishment for that goal standing or what have know. you. But I don't believe in karma, so I guess you could. Sure. It to me. But Hockey the point, god karma works in mysterious ways. Be that as it may, it was yet it was another example of the Devils blowing into the third period, and it turned out with the with the games following it that 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 turned out to be the least painful mm-hmm. of the losses that they have suffered. But before they go on to further losses, Dan, as mentioned, they did pick up a victory. A flawed victory, but a victory nonetheless. At this point in the season, if you're the New Jersey Devils, beggars can't be choosers. If you win the game, be happy. They did it by frightening the hell out of anybody who appreciates the concept of defense in hockey. As the Devils decided to play none of it in Montreal, Montreal had their skating legs under them. They wanted to end their winless streak. 
so badly and the devils decided you know what we're just going to treat this like a, it's a penalty kill yes it's five on five and yes it doesn't work that way in five on five but dang it we're just going to passively cover this slot and oh they're still getting in front of uh mckenzie blackwood and we're just going to pound him you know he's just getting pounded with rubber pucks but the devils fortunately had offensive rushes because montreal also did not de- defend very well that night and just as importantly the devils actually finished some of these offensive rushes and they made the puncher the pugilist the fist man himself, Carey Price, Mr. $10.5 million salary this year, I believe, give up five goals to the New Jersey Devils. Five goals, Dan. Yeah, that was there, the... There, there have been multiple games where the Devils haven't scored five goals in a row. Or, I mean, like, combined over those multiple games. you got to be really bad to give up five goals to the New Jersey Devils. And like I said, Montreal went all the way from sitting in a wild card spot to well past any sort of contention because they're on their own eight game skid overall uh, that game was a huge game for coleman uh, gusev zajac that was, was gusev's best game as a devil easily coleman's best game points wise in his career as well absolutely he celebrated a birthday happy birthday then to uh, blake coleman his 28th birthday he uh made montreal fans cry and even then even with that dan the Devils made it interesting, giving up twice in that game. They gave up a goal right after scoring one themselves. On the next shift. On the very next shift. Very next shift. It's just simple awareness, simple focus. And it goes back to the lack of defensive awareness, which was definitely not present in the game. It points to a lack of awareness in general, a lack of appreciating the situation. Like you, The Devils finally gave Blackwood a two-goal lead in the third period, and you're thinking, great. That's what Blackwood deserves. Next shift, PK Subban decides I don't need to cover this man in front of the in front of the crease. Oh look, <laughs> he 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 put in his own rebound. Oops, whatever. I was so happy they got the empty net goal in that game because it meant the Devils did not squander this rare offensive outburst. So and, that, well, at that point, you're looking at uh, a loss against Minnesota, which was a little tough to take, but a surprising win on the road in Montreal. And yeah. if they only played Montreal in Montreal and Vancouver all season, this would be a great team. However, oh, yeah. that's not the case because oh. uh, you look to that, you say, okay, one and one is not ideally what we would have wanted from these two games, but at least it's something. So they yeah. go up against the New York Rangers. Our hated rivals. And mind you, Dan, they had an opportunity to not only win the week by going two and one, they had an opportunity to win the month because believe it or not, the Devils went into that game at 7-6-1. and one. Now, granted, 17 points out of, a th- out of 30 is not exactly what the Devils needed to get back in the playoff race. But, hey, it's something you can build on. It's something to get that, what's that magic word these days? Traction. Glorious, sweet traction, Dan. And what did the Devils do, Dan, against our hated rivals? Well, so the one, team, the one team that no Devil fan who is honest in their hearts and in their souls ever wants to see their team lose to. Uh, let me set the scene first for uh, some context going into you know that what? Yeah, game. Give, give the people some context. Yeah, so the context is as follows. The Rangers had played the Boston Bruins the day before. They had oh, their own the day before the matinee game. So they're coming in on a off of a back-to-back in which they had six power play opportunities, the Rangers did, and scored on none of them. Boston came back and took that game from them in overtime. So this is a team that had played extra minutes of hockey the day before going into the opposing arena. And what do the Devils do with the eight power play chances, which include 
a double minor and a major power play for the Devils, both of which had a shorthanded goal scored uh, during the duration of those penalties. So I don't really understand how anyone at this point could look at this game and not say it is by far the low point of the season. You're absolutely correct. And then that insult to injury, they wore the Heritage jerseys. They put on the red, white, and greens because I guess if you're going to be uh, play as poorly as the 1980s New Jersey Devils, you might as well look like them. But more seriously, though, the, the start of that game wasn't so bad. And honestly, even with being down 0-1 and blowing a whole bunch of power plays in the second period, you're still only down a goal. Just one goal, Dan. But the Devils were playing the worst defensive team in the NHL. Statistically, one of the worst defensive teams in the NHL. And the Devils couldn't break through them. This was very much the stoppable object was prevented from doing what the movable force has allowed to almost everyone else this season. But the New Jersey Devils, all of a sudden, the Rangers are like, oh, hey, we'll just do, keep doing our doing. Oh, they're just going to keep running into us. Fine. We're fine with that. Except on penalty kills, because then all of a sudden the Devils get extra stupid, extra worse with the puck, passes all over the place, no ideas, no no good possession. Oh, here's a here's a lost pass. Whoop, oh, it goes into a rush against. Whoop, it's a shorthanded goal against. Whoop. We got blocked again. Whoops. It's another shorthanded attempt. Whoop. It's another shorthanded goal against. The Devils had seven shots on their power play, Dan. Seven shots on eight power plays. I just want to reiterate. 15 minutes. Less than a shot per power play. Like, I know I killed Jeff Ward in the past. I criticized him heavily back, you know, several years past with the New Jersey Devils. But Rick Kowalski and this power play makes Jeff Ward look like an absolute genius. (laughs) <laughs> it's remarkable. How do you add Nikita Gusev, P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons, and a healthy Taylor Hall? Oh, and also Jack Hughes, by the way, mm-hmm. even though he didn't play in the in the Rangers game. Therefore, by, def, by default, he was the best devil in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you add these people and come out with a worse power play? I did the m- month in review. It's up on All About the Jersey. If you got a lot of time, go read it. And And, and even though the devil's success rate wasn't that terrible that one game dragged it into the bottom third of the league and the underlying numbers are all crummy it is not it is not offensive they're not playing particularly well the breakouts are not good the the possession is not good enough and the finish just isn't there and you know again in a one-shot game you get these opportunities you get the double minor you get the major penalty you get all this stuff and you come out minus two and you don't even average a shot per power play get out of the get out get off the rink Get off the rink. There was a very audible fire Heinz chant in the third period. Mm-hmm. I wish I was there to join them. I wasn't at the arena, thankfully. I'm very glad I did not pay money to attend that game. But for a lot of Devil fans, that anybody who was on the fence of whether or not, oh, you know, maybe you can keep Heinz, maybe some things go better, maybe if you trade Hall, things will go better. No. For a lot of them, this was the tipping point. And yet, Dan, and yet, that's not the worst loss that we're going to talk about on this show. Yeah, and somehow, uh, this is what I was saying, though. This is what I'm wondering now after every single loss is, okay, that one was pretty awful, but it can't possibly be any worse than that. They can't find any sort of way to get more embarrassed than they did on home ice, missing on every power play opportunity. And also, I mentioned the Rangers were 0 for 6 in the game before. They scored on their first opportunity of the night. Uh, It's actually... it's actually worse than that, Dan. They okay. ran the same play four times. Yep, yep. The Devils stopped it three times. 
P.K. Subban decided to not stop it the fourth time, they scored. And so given the context with what, how badly they were, I guess, overmatched schedule-wise with the Rangers and just couldn't do anything about it, they went into Buffalo tonight and maybe laid one of the worst first periods that's ever happened in the NHL and in franchise history for sure. This is only the first time that they've allowed five first period goals since 1993 and again for those keeping track that's before I was born and that is crazy to think about I've literally never seen a first period this bad where they come out and again while technically the first goal wasn't on the power play because it had just expired by the time Jack Eichel was left completely alone on the doorstep of Louis Domingue that goal goes in and you're thinking okay one nothing, like two minutes in is not so bad. All of a sudden, it's two nothing less than five minutes in. Three nothing, seven minutes in, and it just keeps going and going. The fourth goal, Louis Domingue bats at a puck, and it pops out behind him, and he completely misjudges that it's going right into the net. And all of a sudden, he's pulled after the first period when the Devils have a back to back with Vegas coming to New Jersey tomorrow after they themselves embarrassed those same Rangers that held the Devils to zero goals and scored twice on them shorthanded. So I'm wondering what the possible spread could look like for tomorrow and how wide the gap is between Vegas and the Devils. Could it possibly be a little 10 nothing drubbing? It's unlikely just because it's unlikely in hockey, but I if you told me that was going to happen, I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Buffalo was on pace after the first period to win 15 nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, typically after you score, I think the general rule of thumb is that when a team goes up by three or more goals, they tend to ease up a little bit. That's just natural. You know, it happens in a lot of sports. You know, team goes up by a lot. Either the other team makes a stunning, fighting, spirited comeback, or they just go, yeah, this is definitely not our night, and just kind of play it out, and it stays that way. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo game, well, one more thing about the Rangers game that we forgot to mention, well, you touched on, is the fact that just like the Minnesota game that Tuesday, the Devils had a day off or in, in that they didn't play and got embarrassed. The Devils had another day off. They had an optional practice on Sunday. So most of the regulars were rested for this game, Dan. And the Sabres were up 3 nothing before the Devils got a shot on net. Now, granted, the Devils ended up putting up a ton of rubber on Linus Olmark, but almost all of it was in garbage time. By the time they were actually getting Olmark some work, the Sabres were on their way to winning. And then you, then you get the Domingue error, which is one of the worst goals, not the worst goaltender error I ever saw in recent memory with the Devils, or even in my entire lifetime of watching the Devils. But it was pretty up. It's bad. It was really bad. And then right before the end of the period, hey, we're just going to give up a one-timer. Bam! 5 nothing. Like, this Devils team, you know, everybody has bad nights, Dan. Everybody has bad periods. But that was just abysmal. They, the Devils have continued to prove the, myth buther, uh, the Mythbusters statement that failure is always an option. And the Devils keep choosing failure. And... Even after that period, you know, the Devils come out. Okay, they get 20 shots on net. Nico Heischer pots in a rebound on a power play just to prove, just as evidence that, hey, the Devils can score on a power play occasionally. They still got outscored that period 2-1. to one. Yep. Both both on one terms. Victor Olsen didn't even know he scored. He shot the puck and went, oh, hey, did I score? 
And everyone's like, oh, the ref's like, yeah, you scored. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like he acted like, you know, somebody just handed him a free bag of potato chips. Like that's, that's how, that's how decimate, you know, not decimate because they didn't lose 10, 10, nothing, but that's how terrible the devils were and how much better the Sabres were that even when the devils were rolling, the Sabres were not sweating. They were not worried about what was going to happen. They knew they were going to win the game easily. And if God forbid the devils mustered up a goal or two again, all mark in the third period they could have went out there and scored again on blackwood very very easily because the devils were not doing anything right in that game it was the worst game in recent memory from the new jersey devils i don't want to look back at the last season or the 2016-17 season or that excuse me the ill the ill-fated uh mclean error as i call it mm-hmm. to see if there were any worse losses but this one is definitely the worst one of this season and you and that's following the embarrassment against our hated rivals and almost a week after blowing a third period to Minnesota. So it's not that the Devils went one in three, Dan. It's they 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 found ways to be worse and worse. And now they have an opportunity, to, as you say, to get destroyed by Las Vegas 10 to nothing because, hey, Las Vegas is like good and the Devils are not good. And that's where we're at. Something that surprised me is that the win tonight gives Vegas their first three-game winning streak of the season, and they're a team that a lot of people thought might be pretty competitive this year. So if the Devils are caught when they're about to go on a bad run, the results could truly, truly be a new level of disastrous, the likes of which we haven't seen. And at this point, I know I mentioned when we were first in the beginning of the season and things weren't going well, Let's take a look around the 2025 game mark. See how things are going. Let's reassess. Like let's let's wait for the for the takes to pour in. And at this point, I'm ready to say, let's whatever. Just trade them all away. Trade who you can get. Start restocking. And really, you got to do something about the situation that's going on. That I don't know what the factor is that's causing them to completely give up on games or to just let things snowball so out of control every single game and so quickly. And there's a lot of things people point to in general, but it's very clear that some kind of change has to be made and none is being made. They're just rolling the same things night after night after night. And it's just leading to the same disaster on a nightly basis. Yeah, I mean, in the month of review, I pointed out, you know, I point out additions and subtractions to the team. And the major one with the Devils was that they demoted Corey Schneider and brought up Louis Domingue. And the only other move that they made was they brought up Brett Brett Sini for two games, which he did all of nothing. And he went back. Uh, That was it. You know, I understand the Devils went 7-7-1 in the month. And while on its face, it's not bad. But some of those seven losses were that terrible Mm -hmm. and on top of that if the devils had any designs on trying to become a playoff team they're they're almost all but done by now i hate to say that but as of recording right this right now the devils are only ahead of detroit in the eastern conference they're still a point behind ottawa and yes the devils have a game in hand on ottawa and four on detroit but the fact of the matter is this nothing the devils have done either in, in the metrics, either in the scoreboard, either in terms of recent play, home games, way games, whatever, suggests that they're going to win very many games. Like, this is a team that's going to keep racking up L's. They're likely going to take another big one tomorrow from Vegas. And, you know, Chicago, who knows? Chicago has been pretty bad, too. 
But uh, so that may be a toss up game. But then they got to go to Nashville and uh, Nashville is kind of like Buffalo in the sense of, you know, you you would expect them to be a little higher up in the standings. But uh, I, I don't I wouldn't want to disrespect Nashville. I don't think you want to disrespect Nashville. Do you disrespect? Do you disrespect Nashville, Dan? I don't think you do. No, not at all. And not uh, at, all. at this point, it's hard to disrespect anyone when I just basically admitted to myself and all of you that the Devils are the worst team in the NHL. They may not be yeah. by points percentage or whatever, but all of that stuff, just given the way that these losses have accumulated, and really the effort that they look like they're playing with out there, like at least you watch Ottawa, at least you watch Detroit, like Detroit's in a very bad spot talent. wise Everybody and their mother knew Detroit was going to be this terrible. Everyone knew it, but at least they look like they're trying out there. Like Ottawa definitely showing more heart than people gave them credit for at the beginning of the season. Another team that nobody expected to do well, but they look like they're at least playing with some sort of pride. They look like they know what situation they're in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have a winning record at home. The Devils don't have that. No, and home has arguably been more disastrous than away, even though they started the season so poorly on the road. And they just put up a worse performance against Buffalo on Monday than they did in their first road game, which was a 7-2 loss in Buffalo. They've allowed 14 goals through six periods in Buffalo this season. It is unacceptable to do that to a team that is in the same position that Buffalo is in every single year where they started pretty hot and all of a sudden they started tumbling as well. They are not really keeping up the same pace that they started the season with. This was a team that in another situation would have been a little more vulnerable if the Devils had any sort of passion to take advantage of the fact that they had a day of rest in between these games, the fact that they could have come out a little more motivated in yep. a game where they got completely embarrassed on home ice, but they chose to do neither of those things nope. and something has to change. I don't, I yep. don't even know what the best course of action is. There's a okay. lot of people who, who really are pointing to different spots. And now it's, yep. it's started to, th- this hurricane of negativity has started to wrap up. Ray Shiro. Now people well, are as it targeting should. him. Right. As it absolutely should. Because the fact of the matter is, and I'll, I'll be honest, the first place I would start is with the coaching. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, the coaches don't play the game, and we've seen a lot of failed execution. But like a lot of things in life, you know, if you run a business, and let's say you run a factory, you run a production line, and you see somebody making a mistake, they make a mistake. But if they keep making the same mistake over and over again and you don't do anything about it, that's on you, manager, even if you're not the one on the lot because you're not trying to investigate why a systemic issue is happening. And quite frankly, between the zone exits, breakouts, power play performances, penalty kill performances, the goaltending getting hammered, guys losing losing uh, control in the defensive zone, wingers not being positions where they need to be making, guys making passbacks on rush plays when they should be shooting, you, you – Name it, and you probably got an issue to fix. And the Devils have done none of it. And worst of all, as, as we've discussed, with the game against our hated rivals, the Minnesota game, this Buffalo game, a total lack of preparation and motivation. I mean, I understand the coach's job is not to give a spirited speech 82 times a year, but you got to give us something here. So I would start there. But the fact that Ray Shero has done very little in, in the face of this, he deserves the criticism because – Let's be real, Dan. This is his team. This is his team. This is not 2015, 2016 New Jersey Devils where Ray Shero is still dealing with, you know, what he was left with and all that. He, This is his team. 
Only two players on the active roster are guys he did not sign contracts to. Everybody else, he, he either signed their contract or he acquired them or he drafted them. Everybody, you know, his coaching staff is his. Scouting staff is largely his. Scouting director is his. Analysts are his. You know, for, for all I know, he's got other assistants in management that are his. And the result is 9-13-4, 26 games into the season, and we are only saying that the Devils are just better than Detroit in the East. They ain't going to get it done. So, you know, as much as you say, hey, let's blow it all up again, you got to stop blowing it up. This was supposed to be the season they were supposed to do better. They went out and spent. They went out and got talent. And the fact that the talent, uh, they, they, the coaches can't figure out the talent is on the coaches, but it's on management to uh, make the changes necessary and hold people accountable. If, hi, you know, don't be surprised if you're at the Rock tomorrow watching the Devils play Las Vegas, if you're one of the 11,000 people that will be there, and everybody starts booing John Hines. He deserves it. But if Ray Shero's on screen, get ready, get ready to hear that he's getting booed too, because guess what? He's sitting on top of this, and his inaction is speaking louder than words. From a roster construction perspective, he basically had a near-perfect summer. But again, oh, if yeah. that doesn't manifest onto the ice, then we want to see some sort of adaptation being made, some sort of accountability at least being displayed, or at least some indication that he's paying attention. I know he is because, again, that's his job, and that's what he is conscripted to do by the owners. However, we don't see any of that transparency. For all we know, he's giving blind faith to John Hines, or he's just letting him steer this completely into the ocean, which has implications for every player on this team right now. So I, I just want to take a quick break because there's an obvious connection to be made here to oh, yeah. uh, another piece of news that came out. But we're going to pause here just for a quick word from the sponsor, and we'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so as we were mentioning, it has a lot of implications, this level of inferiority in the NHL being the doormat once again in a season where you have a lot of pending unrestricted free agents. And at this point, it's not difficult to to see them almost all being moved on for as many assets as they can get because this season looks beyond salvageable. And the most obvious one of those was a story, no matter how this season turned out, whether it was glorious, whether it was disastrous, but now that it is fully disastrous, the image of where Taylor Hall will end up is getting a lot clearer and yep. the first clear part of it is that it will not be as a New Jersey Devil for the long-term future. The Devils uh, the news from Darren Dreger I believe was Pierre oh, no, sorry Pierre Lebrun. Okay. So Pierre Lebrun mentioned that 
the Devils are officially taking calls on Taylor Hall, which I'm sure they were doing to begin with, but at this point, I think Shiro's made it clear that, okay, we've seen how the chips fell. It's very clear that we need to trade him. I'm going to start taking these offers a little bit more seriously now. And I'm wondering what the kind of market looks like for a guy who has four goals this year. What are these teams going to pay for someone like him? I mean, you and I have talked about this in terms of what he could potentially fetch, but in a season that's also been disastrous for him, it has hurt his trade value significantly. Yes. Now, I will want to point out, again, not just to promote my own stuff, but, you know, I am, I kind of am. You know, I'm a hockey blogger. I kind of have to do that. Mm-hmm. I did a month in review post, very long. And I concluded that the devil of the month was Taylor Hall, partially because, A, his five-on-five numbers are actually among the best on the team, if you can believe it, in November. Uh, Not a lot of guys were above 50% in both Corsi, expected goals, shots, chances, but Hall was one of them. And Hall had the production, despite the lack of goals. he He was setting up other people for goals, and you could make an argument to say, in the land of the blind, the man with the one eye is king, and Hall's relative lack of scoring still had him on a, he still had an eye so that being said the market should be very high for him at the moment because he's still young enough like he's not moving poorly it's not like he's lost a step per se from a speed standpoint because that was the big concern he was coming back from a knee injury the big concern was, how is he going to look? Is he going to still play the same way? Is he still going to skate real fast? Is he still going to take on defenders? Is he going to fight for pucks? Is he going to try to distribute on the power play? And the answer to all that is yes, 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 and yes. It's just that not a lot of good things are coming with those. Um, so definitely the lack of production and how the team has been playing definitely reflects poorly. And I also think indirectly how the season has gone for the Devils also hurts the trade value in the sense, if you look at it this way, Dan, that Taylor Hall made it very clear back in April that this team needed to add talent. He was not so subtly saying, if you want to keep me, you get some better players. And Ray Shero did exactly that. He got P.K. Subban, Jack Hughes with the first overall pick, Wayne Simmons, Nikita Gusev. And it's not like these were all free agent signings. They were trades. The Devils had a kill a season to get a shot at Jack Hughes, which they did. So they made moves almost in a way for Hall and look at the record, <laughs> you yeah. know? So, yeah. so it's like, okay, man, we gave you what you want and we stink. In fact, we're actually worse off than when we were this time last season. So one could, another team could look at that and go, maybe Hall, you're not this super huge deal that you think you are because you clearly haven't carried the New Jersey devils anywhere. Heart season, yeah, you had a heart season. That was a couple seasons ago. No one no one cares about that at the moment. Mm-hmm. That being said, Dan, we're talking about a player that can still fly. He can still make plays even when he is completely snake-bitten at scoring goals. And he's not a total detriment in the run of play. At least he demonstrated that in November. So if you figure on the fact that there's just not a lot of Taylor Halls out there, mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's going to be a very interesting market. Um, already what's being bandied about from is Colorado could be very heavily involved because they've been scouting New Jersey get Devils games a lot. Montreal, with, with their winless streak, they're looking to make a big splash. So they're hoping that you know if they can get a guy to juice up the scoring, so this way it doesn't matter if Carey Price gives up five goals to New Jersey, then 
they may be in the mix for that as well. Edmonton has definitely been ba- been brought up many times because Edmonton is playing way above their level, mostly on the play of two players. So going out and getting a third top winger can really help when when inevitably those two top wingers, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, just aren't enough to get the Ws. So there are some interesting possibilities, especially out West. And with more opportunities means that Cheryl can shop around a little bit more for a good uh, a good deal instead of just taking, say, Adam Larson from Taylor Hall. Just mm. to take an example. It's a weird, non-specific example, I'm sure. Not yeah. The the fact of the matter is that provided that Ray Shero doesn't panic and doesn't wait to the very very end, he should get a better deal in return for Hall than what Edmonton had to pay to get rid of Hall. Mm-hmm. If it makes sense. You know the Devils don't have a second and a third for 2020. They don't have a second for 2021, but I don't think they're going to settle for seconds. I think they're going to ask for first-round picks. They might settle for 2021 first if it's Colorado because Colorado doesn't have anything in the top three rounds beyond their first-round pick in 2020, and it's probably going to be a late 2020 first-rounder anyway. So, But if that's going to be the case, then expect Colorado or a team of their ilk to also send a prospect back. A lot of you know, one of the common terms, Dan, is the Mark Stone trade that happened last season. Right. Where Ottawa didn't get a first rounder back, I don't think. No, they didn't. But they got a top prospect in Eric Branstrom. So the thinking is, all right, Hall, he's on an excellent contract. A lot of teams can afford him for this season, at least as a rental. If it takes a first at a top prospect like a Bowen Byram, which I still think Colorado would be very ludicrous to uh, give up, but a prospect on that kind of level plus a first probably gets it done. Mm-hmm. And, and if, it's interesting because you have to also consider the caveat that is it going to be one of the teams that can reasonably sign him to an extension that ends up being the final trade, like yeah. that, that ends up giving enough value for ratio to be like yes this is what taylor hall is worth at this time and i think the offers will obviously be different from teams that just want to rent as opposed to teams that think they have a legitimate shot in extending him but you know he's going to attach some sort of conditional to that with re-signing with the new team if he has to i think he's got to protect himself in that way in that he can get some additional value if it does surprisingly work out somewhere where it's not thought right now that he could conceivably sign an extension you're absolutely right. The Devils absolutely should attach a conditional, whether it's if you re-sign, you get the 2020 pick. If you re-sign after the draft, it's a 2021 first. If not at all, then you get a 2022, something like that. I wouldn't go as far as 2022 for Hall, but the point is you have to have a condition in place. And the Devils absolutely need to do that. And uh, again, who who is involved will play a big role in terms of what is actually offered. Montreal and Colorado have a ton of cap space, so they could get away with offering picks and prospects. A team like Edmonton, for example, they're cap strong right now. So they're so the Devils would almost need to ha- take a player back or retain some salary of Halls even to make a deal work. And that's going to be the case if more and more teams jump in, like, say, Dallas, for example. They're another team where you, you may look at them and say, oh, you know, if they had Taylor Hall with next to Tyler Seguin and Jamie Benn, you know, hey – you know, that'll put them over the top in a competitive central division. Again, the Devils are going to have to take somebody back and take somebody with considerable money to make it work. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what they're looking at in terms of a rental. But you're absolutely right. They're going to need some type of pick for like a future asset to make it work. And it's going to have to have a condition on it because to do so without a condition, 
that 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 risks quite a bit. Somebody somebody's risking too much there, either New Jersey or the team that he gets traded to. And I'm sure that you know, despite LeBron only teasing that Hall was uh, the one that Ray Shiro was fielding calls on, I'm sure he's out there making and fielding calls on players like Wayne Simmons, on players yeah. like Sammy Vatanen. These are players who are on the last year of their contracts. They'd also potentially be rentals for someone else. But at this point of the season, really, what do you have to lose by acquiring more assets? That's really the only thing that they have to look forward to. Now, they've played themselves to the point where, really, they're just looking ahead to the future. And if you're not going to pay these guys, if you're not committed to these guys right away, and realistically, why should you be, given the run of results that have happened it's worth considering trading way more people than just the obvious big rental. Now, there's another couple names being floated around as t- uh, players with maybe one other year left on their contracts, or you know, someone like an Andy Green uh, or Travis Zajac who's uh, got a year left. But it doesn't seem realistic that those guys would move. But I can no. definitely see the. I mean, Hall. It's almost a given at this point. But Vatanen, but Simmons. Those Gusev. all Gusev even potentially, yeah, he's got one more year. They could all be moved, and honestly, I don't know what a lot of them have done to justify committing to them long term. Like that, we've seen flashes of good from Vatanen, but it's it's clear that they're gonna need more. They're gonna need more, and I don't know if it's a player issue, and I don't know if it's specifically the coaches not using these these specific players properly, but. I don't think they individually have justified any sort of long-term commitment at this point. No, they really haven't. And that's why it's so deflating and in a way depressing that a couple months ago, you and I were excited and I was the only one that was saying, well, as long as the devils don't fall flat on their face, this should be good. And lo and behold, the devils fell flat on their face. They fell flat on their face and gave themselves a concussion. Yeah, it, it, yeah, they they absolutely did. Like we went from, oh man, maybe Taylor Hall's going to resign to, yeah, Taylor Hall's going to be traded, and everybody's just kind of fine with it because it's going to happen, and a whole bunch of other guys are going to get traded, and basically Rashard's going to enter rebuild attempt number three here, <laughs> and it's and, and again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier is that this is one of those reasons where Sharo definitely deserves the criticism because you know all all the coin flips that he made with these dude deals, you know, getting Subban, getting Gusev. Signing Wood to a four-year deal, uh, signing um, signing Simmons for five million. Like, not that Simmons himself has been bad, but a lot of these coin flips have turned out wrong. <laughs> They've gone awry, and uh, you know now the Devils have to pick themselves up and, and start again. So, to an extent, you saw a little bit of that in the Buffalo game because Hall was not on the top line. Mm-hmm. He was uh, not with Heischer and Palmieri. Boakvist was. And if Hall gets traded, somebody's got to play with these guys. So I think they're already auditioning, to a degree, left-wingers that they could be looking at. Um, so to that end, you know, it's sad that we're at this situation, that the Devils are a bad hockey team with a bad record, and there's no nothing to hope for, and it's just the beginning of December. We mm-hmm. didn't even get into the new year. Last season it was, all right, it's the new year, it's not happening. We're not. It's just sad, Dan. It's sad. And we were asked last week if, you know, who would take over in the event of uh, a Heinz firing. But it just seems at this point that they're ready to just let an interim coach, maybe Tom Fitzgerald, maybe one of the assistants currently ride the season out before they do a full fledged search because 
it's not even clear who's going to be on the roster come February, let alone next offseason. So I don't think it's worth attaching a new coach that you plan to keep around long term to most of this roster, which looks like it's likely to be turned over. Yeah, absolutely. And it begs the question, is, is Cheryl really the right guy to, to make it work? Because, again, this is, re- this is this will be rebuild number three for him. Less than six years. Yep. Yep. And and again, it's not something that anyone was blaming his roster construction before the season started. No. But the lack of adaptability has really been surprising. The lack of really putting himself out there as a front-facing person, being like, I, too, need to be better, and I pick these players. And he even had a quote about when they sent Fitzgerald down behind the bench about how he wanted to make sure that he picked the right players for the job. So uh, what's he think? What's the report? Let's hear. Let's hear if they've been performing up to snuff about him. And uh, I, I I, don't know. Like, are they up to his standards? What did he see? What did he hear from Tom Fitzgerald where he really continues to trust this coaching system that has led to realistically nothing but failure except for one glorious season where taylor hall had the biggest chip on his shoulder of anyone of all like ever to carry them to the playoffs as cynical as it sounds and maybe we had it all wrong maybe we expected this team to do, to be good but in reality we were just fooled we are you know our our, exp- our expectations were subverted and the devils are really going to turn it up if they get lafreniere or byfield mm-hmm but we shouldn't I, be I, banking I, on that. Like, they, no, we shouldn't. I'm not happy for saying that. They, they've won the lottery twice, and where has it gotten them? At this point, yeah. I don't want to be the team that keeps winning the lottery. I You've used got... to mock Edmonton for winning the lottery and going nowhere with it, and here we are in the same exact position where we've basically become Oilers East. Yeah. I mean, how do you have Taylor Hall in his mid-20s, Palmieri in his mid-to-late-20s? You struck gold with Coleman to a degree. And and you found Will Butcher, even though he's having a terrible season. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Butcher's been terrible this season. But that's that's a different point and a different pose for another day. You have you know, you're basically in the cheap years of Jack Hughes's career. You're just about leaving the cheap years of Nico Heischer's career. How do you not put anything together? And again, it's not like there wasn't an effort, but when when you know it wasn't working in October. Why would you stick it around and just say, oh, maybe it'll work itself out? Like, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's got it. It, it almost feels like Shero has a completely set of goals and you and I have it. And they're not good ones, in, in my opinion. I think our goals are better than his. <laughs> but I don't get it, Dan. I just don't get it. Yeah. I miss, the the I old miss adage it, is like. Don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What if it's like really broke? You should probably be fixing it actively. Well, if 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 you're nine thirteen and four and just ahead of Detroit in the Eastern uh, standings after spending the summer and making some trades to bring in talent, uh, yeah, it's broken. Anybody who's telling you otherwise because of expected goals or Gar or because Rachel Derry said so, you know, don't listen to them. They don't know anything. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean that's really. All I've got. I'm I'm out of energy talking about this team. It's just it's so listless. It's so and there's more to competitive. It's so ugly. And there's 55 more games this season. 50, yeah. 54 more games. Mercifully, sorry, but it's yeah. still like, yeah. man, what are these guys gonna do? What? Are, how do they? 
you know, we're miserable enough as fans, but how do they feel in that locker room? Clearly, they're very checked out. So what's it going to take? What's going to shock the system here? And what's going to what's it going to take? Even if the results don't flow, if they got the roster, what's it going to take to play with a little bit of pride? You got me, Dan. You would think that uh, Ray Sher would have a lot of experience with that with, at this point. But, you know, you got me. But uh, that's a nice jumping off point to just quickly go over what's coming up ahead for their New Jersey Devils. Sure. So as we've mentioned many times, they're going to play Las Vegas on Tuesday, and we expect this to be a bloodbath. Knights are going to murder devils. Uh-huh. Okay, not literally murder devils. That would be shocking and terrible. It's going to be a figurative murder, maybe an existential murder as well. And then on Friday, the Devils will be playing Chicago. Chicago has been a bad team on the road, and they have not had a very good season. And Chicago doesn't exactly – they didn't exactly have a lot of expectations this season. But if games against Minnesota and Ottawa you know, come to mind, Dan, the Devils can find a way to lose, lose to that team pretty mm-hmm. badly as well. That one's at home, by the way. If you're going to the Vegas or the Chicago game, bring a toy. Uh, the Devils are hosting a toy drive, so you can – somebody will get something out of that game unless you're a fan of the Knights or the Blackhawks, and then you'll probably get a win out of that game. And then on Saturday, literally the night after the Chicago game, they will be going to Nashville, where we respect them. We do not disrespect Nashville. And this is the first of a four-game road trip that will take them uh, to Dallas on the 10th, which is next Tuesday, and then a back-to-back between Colorado, or Taylor Hall's future home, or Ariz- and then Arizona on the 14th, back-to-back. So, fun times. Fun, yeah. fun, fun, fun times if you're playing the New Jersey Devils. If you're a member of the New Jersey Devils or you're a fan of the New Jersey Devils, if you're a hockey blogger who writes about the Devils and gets paid a little bit of money about them, as long as people keep reading about the Devils, it's not going to be a fun time at all because everybody is basically checking out, boycotting, throwing money away at Fire Hines billboards and whatever general rage and justified rage, but rage nonetheless, online. And in the meat space that's yeah. where we're at dan yeah. that's where we're at we're at we're at long season season where basically the results will be secondary to did they actually show up to play a game of hockey today because at this point they're at least there's something like 10 points out of a playoff spot and <laughs> don't look to be any sort of inch closer to being competitive this year and i'm I'm baffled, but that's where we're at, and that's the reality we're living in. So if we're looking ahead, we're looking at how do the young guys develop, who can they possibly bring in, and who ends up leaving, and who do they acquire for those players that helps them down the line, because this season is all but lost already. Yep. I hate it. I hate I hate. (laughs) You know the the old catchphrase, you hate to see it? Yes, I do hate to see it. I'm seeing it over and over, and I absolutely hate it. And the sad thing, Dan, is, as we have learned against Buffalo, it can always be worse. It can always be worse. (laughs) Just when you think it it can't be worse, it can be worse. I hope it doesn't get worse. But I'm not betting. uh, I'm not betting for that, Dan. Yeah. And and I've been watching this team for a very long time. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have any real – like whatever faith I had – probably evaporated a couple weeks back but you know you gotta while they're still within range and had this kind of schedule coming up where they had significant amounts of rest against teams that were not experiencing the same benefits there's a little whisper of a chance but after seeing the manner in which they dropped all the games that they dropped where they were 
basically handed situations to claw their way out of the league's basement. They took them and crumpled them up and tore them to tiny, tiny pieces. And really just, it's soul crushing. It's something that you look forward to all summer, given what they've done. Yeah, here we are talking about how let's look ahead to next June, next uh, next couple seasons and the future executive team and the future management team because whatever it is, it's not working. It hasn't worked, I hate to say, since Lou left. And, there, you know, he had to go given what the Devils were in his last couple of years, but it has not been pretty since. It's been a very long process and we expected a long process but we didn't expect it in this fashion you're not looking at year five to be of the five-year rebuild plan to be the worst year of all of them you're absolutely right and that's why we're saying Hines needs to go Sharon needs to be considered if only the owners owners got to show up i know we got this question a couple shows ago and i said oh it's okay if the owners don't show up we're at the point where the owners need to show up yeah but we shall see all right so with that uh very depressing finish that brings us to the end of this week in devil's hockey you know we always say that it can't possibly get any worse but they find new ways to do so i think after the combination of the rangers and sabers games those were truly truly rock bottom or at least i hope they were because i can't even think up more embarrassing scenarios for them to lose in but uh you know you've all been watching same as us and we're hoping that it doesn't get worse and we'll maybe get some big news coming out as players start shifting around as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline but here we are devils are entrenched as sellers basement of the league pretty much a walkover game for most teams uh, except apparently montreal and vancouver so this is it. Welcome to 2019-2020 New Jersey Devils hockey. It's very bad. And so that'll bring us to the end of today's episode. That's enough you know, negativity for one episode or even several. So hopefully It's not really negativity when it's the truth. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, the truth is just very negative. How about that? Yeah. Um, so hopefully in the future we'll have some more positive developments to talk about if we if we view them in the vacuum of a week at a time and if they can win a week at a time then great but i think overall we shouldn't be holding out any sort of extended hope for a competitive season uh retaining of most of this roster it's going to look very different minus the core young guys moving forward so Let's all brace ourselves for that reality. I do hope that all of you had a very lovely Thanksgiving with the families or friends, if you chose to do it that way. And hopefully this holiday season isn't marred by how inevitably bad the Devils will be through all of December. That's been Garden State of Hockey for today. Let's go Devils now and forever, but uh, let, let's go ahead and just be better. forward to next just season. Just try to be better. <laughs> just try. Yeah, period. We're asking for effort. We're not asking for results anymore. Win a period first. Start start small. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully they, they do a little bit of that this week. But yeah, that's been our time here. Thanks again for joining us. Feel free to send us questions if you want. There's you know plenty to discuss in terms of 
what the future of the team might look like even if this season is lost so we're happy to interact with you guys in that way and happy to bring you more of this podcast week to week and like we said thanks again for listening have a great rest of your day or night and uh, go get yourselves some comfort food bye everyone